0: okay well listen welcome we're glad that you made it a little bit of a fire drill with the with being inside i hope you appreciate it it's still windy out there and wind is the worst i think wind is the worst weather i'd rather have rain or snow sleet ice or hail than wind except for really muggy heat that could actually be the worst um all right well, welcome to grafted i'd like to begin tonight by reading the recommendation that I recently gave to one of our high school seniors um, on his attempt to get into a college named, I forget the name of the college, it's not written on my screenshot here. This young man is a solid student uh, student athlete who is smart, has a ton of energy and is always on the go. He has great friendships and is at church when the doors are open. He loves Christ and I recommend him without reservation. I get these, these requests to fill out pastoral references for many in terms of getting into a Christian college. This one was for Ty Clanton. He's sitting over here tonight. That's just the beginning sentence. The, the next part, it says other considerations. I wrote, he is a cross-country star and is very, very fast. I hope you'll be able to get him on your team. Once upon a time, I used to run cross-country. <laughs> and was something of a cross-country star. Well, not really. Although my father was an Olympic athlete, won a bronze medal, and even held a world record, I did not get the speed gene. However, as my father is now 78 years old, I'm currently faster than him and can beat him at any type of foot race, which makes me feel pretty good. I remember once running a race at Griffith Park where the trail is cut to the side of the mountain, it drops off a relatively steep cliff on one side, and I considered tripping and accidentally falling down the, the cliff so I wouldn't have to run anymore. It was anything not to run. Ty, however, would never consider such tactics. He is more interested in running, winning, and helping his team than his own selfish needs. Okay, Ty, I hope the best for you. I really think that that is going to help you get into. Are you going to that school? Faith something or other? No. What was it? It was Faith Baptist Bible College. Faith Baptist Bible College. That's a long name, uh, but you're not going there? Was it because of my recommendation? Because I could write a better one. Hey, listen, if you need to get into a college, you let me know. I will fill it out for you, and uh, and I'll work that, my magic, to get you in. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm the college pastor here at Grafted. For If you're new with us, thank you for coming. I know it's a little bit around the corner. If you are new, we usually meet in the backyard where it's a little bit more spacious and so we know you're kind of backed into a corner here and hopefully you're not <coughs> claustrophobic. The last time I was in a claustrophobic situation was on an airplane coming back from Hawaii. I work out there and for some reason, I used to always, well, raise your hand if you're an aisle or a window person. Aisle people, raise your hands. Okay, window people, raise your hands. Okay, if you're never smart enough to get on and register early and you can get stuck in a middle seat, raise your hand. Okay, just a couple. And anybody here never been on an airplane? <coughs> Wow, Wow. that is interesting. Okay, well listen, if you non-flyers, this is what happened. I used to love being on the window. You know why? Because you get in there, you tuck in. I never get up. I sleep. Nobody bothers me. But then one particular flight back from Hawaii, I was not doing well. I ran because I was late getting there. And uh, it was a little bit of a struggle to get to the plane. So I sat down on the plane. I was sweating. I moved all the way to my middle seat. Somebody bigger than the seat sat down next to me. The plane took off. I couldn't cool off. The little thing up there wasn't working. The plane was hot. And the person in front of me was a nighttime <clears throat> flight. It was like a red eye coming back. They leaned back. So they're right here in front of me. This guy's over in my seat and I'm just dripping. And I literally was in a moment about to just do one of these and <laughs> rip off all my clothes. And anyway, now I was, now I can't sit by the window anymore. I have to be on the aisle. So if you feel like that right now, just resist, because this plane will touch down at some point tonight. You'll be okay. But we're glad you're here. We exist to help college students know Jesus Christ. We want to help you in your relationship with God to bring you closer to Him. If you don't know who God is, we just open the Bible week in and week out and teach what the Bible says. Not my opinion, not uh, some philosophy. This is just God's Word laid out. And we've been going through the book of Genesis last semester and this semester, and we're in number, uh, message number 17, I don't know what this means, Um, but tonight we're going to take a little break, and we're going to go a different direction because um, there's been a few things that have come up recently that I wanted to address, and I thought tonight would be a good time to do it. You are in uh, a very unique stage in your lives. a stage where decisions are being made regularly every single day. If you think about how many decisions you make you made today, there were quite a few. And some of them are as basic as deciding, what am I going to wear to grafted tonight? I chose to wear a grafted shirt and jeans and the ever-present rainbow flip-flops. OK? And some of you, have you ever made the decision to buy rainbow flip-flops? Raise your hand. Anybody here? Okay, good. This is a good group of people. If you haven't, you should. They're the best. Um, but simple decisions like what to wear uh, or maybe what to eat, uh, fast food, what you're going to have. You could decide Mexican, American, poke, which is right. The, it's not pokey. It's poke. Okay, that's fine. Even though There's no A in that word. There's burgers, pizza, etc. And when you do decide on a burger, you have to then decide which burger am I going to have. Am I going to go to the Burger Lounge? Am I going to go to Five Guys? Or if I don't have $72, am I going to go to McDonald's or Burger King? Or you can just make the right decision and go to In N Out and get a number one with grilled onions. That's how it works. Easy decisions. Okay, if you're the easy decisions like this freeway or side streets, all the freeway people raise your hand. Like you're going down Jefferson, but you get on the freeway to go down to Temecula. Versus Okay, good. All right, what about um, Coke or Pepsi? Yeah, I know It really is Coke. There's not even a question on that one. Um, okay, Bitcoin or Ethereum? I don't even know what those words mean. Those are cryptocurrencies. Okay, Chevy or Ford? There's an easier one. Okay. This one's for the ladies, guys, do not answer. Chris Hemsworth or Tom Holland? Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then for me, I just want to hear this. UCLA or USC? USC! Listen, Yeah, but I don't. Listen, that is just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, those are easy decisions and kind of joking decisions. There are decisions that have far more weight in our lives. Uh, things like, who should I marry? Should I be dating right now? Who should I date? Should I go away to school? Should I go to junior college or just work? Um, should I stay at home or should I move out? Do I stay at my current job? Oh, huh, that's interesting. Oh, that's why. Sorry, bear with me. I'm having technical difficulties. There we go. Um, what should I do with my career? How do I know how to choose a church or a job or a potential mate, et cetera? I want to ask you a question. How do you make decisions in your life? You flip a coin, get your palm read, grab the horoscope and see who... I went into Rite Aid the other day, and they have ice cream there, thrifty ice cream. And there was horoscopes there. And I'm an Aries, apparently. (laughs) I'm very passionate, volatile, driven, but also tend to break relationship do crazy things, and they have these two sides of the same coin that don't really say anything. And I read the next one, and it was almost the exact same thing, just in a different order. But anyway, do you go to a horoscope? Do you pull the petals off of a flower? He loves me, he loves me not. Do you look at fortune cookies? Uh, Wait for the stars to align? Maybe you've taken a survey. Oh, yes, we really are compatible, right? Like, I don't know how you make decisions. It is difficult to make decisions. The seniors in the room, we have high school seniors that have joined us. We welcome you every single week. Um, You're coming ahead of time. It's great to have you here. You have big decisions to make in your life. Am I going away to school? Am I staying here? Am I going to work? What am I going to do for my job, for my future, for my everything? Big decisions. Some of you are dating or trying to date or seeking relationship. That's about all of you trying to figure out this whole world of what's next for me in terms of my um, relational life. When do I propose? When do I ask her out? When do I take the next step? What should I do? Do I need to put a fleece out so that the guys know that I'm, I'm ready and available? Like what is this gonna be? This is difficult and I'm making light of some of these things, but there's a lot of big decisions. Who you're gonna be what you want to be in your life, yourself in the future. We've all had pictures as as when we were little about being astronauts and doctors and nurses and teachers, um, living in that that house by the beach with the white picket fence and the Range Rover and the chocolate lab and the two and a half um, kids and all this other stuff, right? We try to figure out who we are and we try to make decisions. And I just wanna know, how are you making decisions? because they're difficult and you're confronted with the most and the largest decisions of your life are happening. The biggest decisions I should say are happening right now. And it's easy to be here on a Friday night. It's easy to look the part, to sing the songs we just sang, to write down notes in your super cool locally sourced recycled journals like Terrell has. But it's another thing to set up your life and make choices, difficult choices in a way that honors Christ. Now we are a church group And we believe that God exists, that he is in heaven right now, that he sent his son to die for our sins so that we can have a relationship with him. And we prioritize him above all things in life. We're not here to give some philosophy or some quick tips on how to make life better and how to invest at the right time, buy and sell here and all this other stuff. We're here to explain what God has said in his word and to help you as you seek to honor him in your lives. There's a verse, it's at the top of the sheets that you have. It's Colossians 1.18. It's one of my favorite verses, and I just pulled a phrase. It says that Christ would come to have first place in everything. And for Christians, this is our goal in life, that Jesus would have first place in everything. And so tonight we're going to talk about how to make decisions. And I want to give you somewhat of a practical guide that's driven from your Bibles. Um, and these are just going to be six questions to ask and to answer about how to make decisions in your life, okay? We've got a lot to work through here, so buckle up a little bit because we're going to move pretty quick. But if I was titling the message, it's this, Decision Making Like a Boss. That's what we want to work through tonight so that Christ would have first place in every part of your life. Six questions. Are you ready? This is how we're going to help you to make decisions. And by the way, let me make one more comment. The reason we're here tonight is because more and more of you are coming to me and to our senior staff, and you've got real questions, and you're working through real, um, meaty, heavy issues in life. And I want to help give you a biblical grid for what that should look like as you seek to make those decisions in your heart before the Lord. So, number one, first question you need to answer is, who is God? Who is God? Who is God? That is the first question. And we need to remember who He is. And I know this is going to seem like, wait, what? Decision-making? And you're telling me i got to know who God is first? doesn't make a ton of sense. But this is the starting point. Because we need to understand the character of God. And I want to lay out just a handful of things about God really quickly for you to remember. This will make sense in a minute as to why we're starting here. The first little line there is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. That means that God is in control of every molecule in this universe. By definition, as God, he controls it all. In Psalm 115.3, it says, but our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. That is the God that we serve, the God that we know in scriptures. He rules all, he controls every molecule in this universe. And if you struggle with this, then come talk to us. It's difficult to note there's a God up there and some people think that he's got like a joystick and he's just messing up our lives or giving us hardships and things like that. What about my free will if God's in control of all things? And if you struggle there, then come talk to us. We'd love to help you with that after the night's over. But Daniel 4.35, listen to this verse. God does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stop his hand. God is in control. Secondly, we need to understand that God is good. Did you know that God is good? Would it not be tough if God was sovereign, but he wasn't good? That is the definition of an evil dictator. Think Vladimir Putin right now. Total control of what he's doing and what's happening, he's not a good man, is he? But he can, he can enact his will because he has power and sovereignty. That doesn't define God. God is a benevolent ruler who cares for his children. Psalm 136.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And that's huge for us as Christians, uh, because Romans 8.28 says that we know, you'll recognize this verse, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Every detail of your life, because you serve a good God and he is sovereign, he is working out for your good. So good to remember that, particularly in times of trial and suffering. Some of you... I understand you shed tears even today in your life and you're working through very difficult aspects of life, deaths and health issues and other significant relational turmoils in your life. And it is good to remember that God is taking all of that chaos and he's working it together in his plan, ultimately for your good. And so we've got to remember that, that God is sovereign, that he's good. Thirdly, that he is wise, that he is wise. I said a different way, God knows what he is doing. What if he was sovereign, meaning he could control all things? He was good, but he wasn't wise. He would be like um, that really friendly grandpa who just is always loving you but never can seem to figure out how to go in a certain direction. Gives you the candy bar and then doesn't know what to do with you and just kind of sends you on your way out into the street. Like that would be what this would kind of be like, or it would be like me trying to build something. I've told you in the past, I like to do projects around my house. I hung this lamp as an example. Actually, Trevor, you built this lamp. Is that right? Okay, he's in the other room. Okay, but I want you to notice how my projects go when I put them up and do things. What do you notice about this lamp? It's crooked. It's crooked! I don't know how to straighten it. These are how my projects always go. I always get something wrong. Like it's so close to being perfect, but it's not. It drives me nuts. Here's here's why. I'm not wise. I don't do things well. I don't know everything. I know there's a bolt up there I can loosen and turn it, but I've never done it because I've never done it before. I have great intentions, but I can't always get it done. Watch, God is the exact opposite. Psalm 145, 9 says, Great is our Lord, abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. God knows what he's doing. He never makes mistakes. Mark seven they're watching Jesus, and the crowd says this, He does all things well. I love that verse. Never needs a do-over, never asks for a mulligan, um, doesn't ever forget anything, is never surprised. Could you imagine Jesus as a carpenter growing up? Every cut was perfect every time. Every seam fit together just right. It was the best work you could possibly imagine. He knows everything, right? It was always right. So God is wise. And then fourthly and finally, God is trustworthy. So we can put ourselves wholly into his sovereign, good and wise hands, knowing that his ways are best. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants our best. He will bring it about in time and in eternity, Romans eight thirty two. listen to this verse, says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him, this phrase, freely give us all things? God gave us the greatest gift in Christ. Will he not give us the smaller gifts in what we need day to day? And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him He will make your path straight. Okay, so I just wanted to lay the theological framework for decision-making. We need to know who God is. Secondly, we need to answer the question, who are you? Remember Alice in Wonderland? Who are you? Who was it that said that, that caterpillar? Caterpillar. Yes, the caterpillar. Um, (laughs) Not the Johnny Depp, Alice in Wonderland, because that's just weird, (laughs) right? And Willy Wonka with Johnny Depp, also equally weird. And what else that he's done is weird. Pretty much everything, but we don't have time for that now. Okay, what do you need to know about yourself? What do you need to know about yourself? First, you need to know this. You are not sovereign. <laughs> You're not, isn't that the truth? We can't control everything. Although we think we can, and we try to, it doesn't always work. Oh, let me just give you an example. You're coming on the freeway, This for you freeway people, hands in the air, and you're in that fast lane, and your lane screeches to a halt, and you're sitting there, and you're like, everybody's going past you, and you're like, I'm gonna move over, and as soon as you move over, what happens? No, it just not. literally stops right in front of you, and then that lane starts going. Or there's eight lanes at the supermarket, this is me, and I walk up, I'm like, okay. I'm actually gonna pick the longest line, because maybe that will work, and I stand there, and then it, and I'm never in the fastest lane, <laughs> ever. It's always wrong for me. Anybody? Yes, does it feel that way? Um, I mean, more important, you go out on an important date, you go to a work meeting, something else, and uh, you finish and you're in the the bathroom and there's just something green stuck in your teeth and you're like, are you kidding me? That was a job interview, right? And something like that, or you're ready to go out, you got your day planned, you're with your friends and your parents walk in and say, hey, we're going to grandma's house today. (laughs) What? Like no chance, I'm going with my friends. No, you're not. We don't have control over every part of our lives. That's a simple reality. Health issues, financial issues, family issues. There's a war in Ukraine that if they don't get under control, will spread and have an impact on our lives beyond the price of gas. There are big things happening in the world right now. You don't control them, neither do I. If you were at church on Sunday, we're working through the book of James in James 4.13. He says this, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit we will dictate our terms. Yet you do not, do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're, you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. We don't have control. God's sovereign, you're not. Secondly, you're not perfect. I know sometimes you look in the mirror and you're like, man, I look good. Look at that. I look good. But you're not perfect. And I know that your mom tells you that you are perfect, but I'm telling you you're not. My mom calls me all the time and she's just like, I just think you're amazing. I'm like, you're my mom. I'm so glad and I love you, but I have major problems in my life. Uh, but I'm glad for the love of my mother. It's, it's amazing. But um, we've all been warped by some sin in our life. We've all been born with a sinful nature. We bring relational issues and toil uh, turmoil. Excuse me. Everywhere we go, right? Nobody here is perfect. Uh, each one of us is prone to sin in different ways. How many of you have a temper that? This is actually a question. You there's two ways to get angry. One side, you've got a quick fuse temper that goes off, like the thing just explodes, like in anger, in uh, the movie. What's the movie? Anger. Well, inside, inside Out. Inside Out. Is that it? Or is that right? Yeah, yeah. And anger. He's just standing there. Sorry. Nikolai, what's wrong with you? I'm sorry. Okay. And Anyway, and anger just explodes. If that's you where you're just like perfectly calm like right now, then somebody bumps you and then you just raise your hand. Anybody? It's okay. You can put your hands up. Confession time. Thank you. Okay. Now, if the opposite, you're the pressure cooker that just holds it in. And that person bumps you and then bumps you again, and then bumps you again. And in your mind, you're thinking of all the ways that you're going to like fillet them wide open. The or some craziness like that. Hands up in the air. You're on that side. All right. We're all kind of in that framework somewhere. Just an example. We've all got issues. And the Bible calls those issues sin. Those are ways that we have disobeyed God and broken his perfect standard. We are not Perfect. We struggle with things, and some of us have particular sin bents. Some are given to anger. Some are given to pride. Some are given to lust. Some are given to worry and anxiety. Some are given to depression. We have different things that that are problems in each of our lives. And if you're one of those people, welcome to the club. We all are, okay? And, And the Bible is a book about putting broken people back together, not about raining down judgment on them, but rather saying, by the grace of God, we can be restored back to who God made us to be. And so, anyway, you have to remember in your decision making process that you're not perfect. All right, this is taking me a while to build up to where we're going, but stay with me. Thirdly, you are not to be trusted. Okay? You're not sovereign, you're not perfect, and you are not to be trusted. We need to have a good understanding of the human heart. And most of the advice that you get out there from your friends, from the movies that you watch, from the media will tell you very simply trust your, your heart. Guess what? really bad counsel. It's really bad counsel because the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Listen, I know you have instincts sometimes where you know that person's wrong or you know the situation's off. I got it. In general, your heart is not at the 50-yard line making decisions. Your sin nature has put you way off to the side And our decisions are not always wise. It's why we need an outside objective source, which is the Bible. But you're not to be trusted. You know why? Because your emotions go like this. Whether it's a time of the month or a specific relational issue, your circumstances, listen, I live in a house of girls, okay? It's just, it's just my life. Your, your relationships go like this and your circumstances at work and at school go up and down and there are problems and, and that dictates whether you're hungry or tired or lonely, all of those things dictate how you respond to situations and how you make decisions and you're not to be trusted, okay? Just write that down for now. Next, you're young. You are young. Any songs come to mind right now? That's, yes. Who's, I don't even know who that is, but that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, and is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a great thing. Enjoy it. Enjoy the strength of your youth. Um, you're, you're strong. You have limited responsibility, ton of freedom, and that's a great thing. But you haven't lived very long um, you don't have a lot of experience. And if I was to say it this, this way, without insulting you in any way, but you are novices in life, okay? You're novices in life. And you need to remember this when you make decisions that you don't know everything, that you're not wise like God is wise, or listen carefully, even like your parents are wise. And you might say, what are you talking about? My parents don't know what they're doing. Okay, I got it. Your parents aren't perfect. But did you know that somewhere around your age, they met each other? figured out how to date, which is beyond what most of you have done, <laughs> figured out a way to get married, had kids, bought a house, and are existing somewhere in their relative stupidity of old age, okay? But they have, they've done all of this parts of life. They've been where you are already. So I'm not saying that your particular parents are geniuses or that they're not geniuses. I'm just saying you're young and you're at a station in life where there's still a lot in front of you and there's not a whole lot behind you. And it's not meant to insult you, it's more meant for you to bring this into your mind as you make decisions, okay? Okay, you're not sovereign, you're not perfect, you can't be trusted, you're a novice. That has to be part of your decision-making grid. You have to remember who God is, you have to remember who you are before you get to number three, which is our third question, what does the Bible say? And now we kind of move into how we actually make decisions, okay? And this process, what does the Bible say? And I know this seems pretty easy, right? When I used to ask my daughters when they were little, we'd be sitting down for our family Bible time, and I would ask them a question about something. And invariably, the first answer would be God. No. Jesus. No. The Bible. And it was always wrong. But tonight, the answer actually is the Bible is yes. That's what we're talking about. So there it is. Uh, but th- this is where we have to begin with the Word of God, spoken by God, given to men. This is His instruction for our life. And there's wisdom there. And the Bible, watch this, has very many clear yeses and clear nos in life. So um, I think those two little lines there, yes and no, are, are there. Very clear instructions. Let's talk about yes. You're sitting next to somebody on an airplane, or like I was, I got my hair cut just a few minutes ago at the Great Clips. Their prices have gone up. It's 22 bucks now. Oh, my right? I don't understand. And I'm losing hair, so they have less work they have to do. But anyway, I'm sitting there with this young lady who is, is as, and this, typically, this happens to me everywhere I go. I don't know why. I think I have a trusting face or disarming or something. She immediately starts telling me, well... It's a longer story, I don't have time for now, but she really starts telling me how her nine-year-old daughter passed away less than two months ago, and how she buried her, and how her granddaughter was born on the same day. And she's walking this through, and immediately my heart is drawn to hers out of care and love, and I, I wanna tell her about the hope of Jesus Christ. And I wanna tell her that in this moment of suffering and pain, God has a plan, and God desires to draw you to Himself, to mend your broken heart, and to fix you. And, and so, in that moment, when I feel that, should I share my faith, yes or no? What's the answer? Yes. It's a simple yes. The Bible tells me, tell people about Jesus. The only way to heaven, the only way to be made right with God, the only way to have a fulfilled life of peace and happiness and forgiveness is in Christ. Okay, what about when you see a friend who has needs and you have resources to help? Do you help them, yes or no? Yes. Why? The Bible tells you to help those in need and love your neighbor. Um, relational turmoil, there's a fight, fellowship is broken. Should you forgive that person even if it hurts? Yes or no? Yes, because Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ forgave you. Should you be consistently at church on Sunday mornings? Yes or no? Yes, why? Because I'm I'm belaboring the point. The Bible says so. There's simple yeses, and there's also simple noes, right? Read the Ten Commandments. It is wrong for you to murder your brother. Okay, like, and I know you've had this thought about killing a sibling. It's wrong, and Jesus even says that that hatred that wells up in your heart is sin. Right? It is wrong for you. The Bible would say to sleep with somebody who's married, and is not your wife or husband, or to sleep with anybody outside of marriage. Those are simple yes and no's in the Bible. The Bible says it's, it is wrong and sin to be drunk, to use the Lord's name in vain, uh, to sleep around. Uh, on and on, these yeses and nos go. I, I think about a time I was new in my business, and I went to Chicago with a surgeon, high-powered surgeon. I sell orthopedic equipment to doctors in the operating room. And so I'm in Chicago with this guy. It's just the two of us. We're light years from home, and we're driving. We went to a Cubs game, in case you're wondering. Wrigley Field, second oldest baseball field in the country. Only older field is? Dream. <laughs> it is not Petco Park Although Petco Park was recently rated The number one stadium in America But is what? Not Wrigley but Fenway What's number three? It is Chavez Ravine Dodger Stadium Okay, But that doesn't matter for anything right now Anyway, we went to a Cubs game We're driving home after dinner And we're in the back of a cab down this road And up comes these bright neon lights And it's a strip club And he goes, hey, let's go and I'm fifteen hundred miles away from home, with no accountability, with nobody else who would ever know that this was happening. What's the answer? No. The answer is no. Why? Because the Bible tells me that that's lust, that's sin, that's not God's best for my life. And I'm thankful to say, in that particular situation, we—I just looked at them and go, no thanks—and we just went back, and it was good. Um, but anyway, you get the idea. The first question to answer is, what does the Bible say? Sometimes this will solve your problem. Decision made. Easy, the Bible said yes, the Bible said no. All right, now there's a quote I think I've gotten there from Tim Challies. It says, where God speaks a clear yes or no, we have no freedom before him to obey or disobey. We must obey God right away. But in issues where God does not speak that clear yes or no, we have freedom. And now we get into the harder decision-making points because does God want me to begin a career and start my job or does he want me to go to college? Right, Um, You're not going to find a clear yes or no in the Bible. Should I date and marry this girl? I'm not kidding that I had a kid come to our youth group once when I was a high school pastor and tell me, Sean, I prayed. God told me I should walk around her seven times and the walls of her heart would come down. And I'm like, best of luck to you. Please don't come back to our youth group. No, but the Bible doesn't. Speak on a yes or no of those type of things. So what do I do with that, right? How do I get there? So let's go to point number four. The fourth question to answer is, what is God's will for your life? What is God's will for your life? And I'm, you're like, well, that's what we're trying to figure out. But let me explain this more clearly. Um, I want to know, and you might say this, I want to know God's will for my life, yes? I want to know what God wants for me. And I want you to know this, student. God has revealed his word excuse me, God has revealed his will in his word. There are six different places in the New Testament that say this is the will of God for you. And what I want to talk about for just a minute, tune in because you have to get this or you'll miss this whole point. I want to give you the objective will of God, where God has said, just like he said, you shall not do these things. He said, this is his will for your life. Okay, I'm going to move quick down these things. The first one, by the way, these are John MacArthur approved. This is this is his list. I don't want to take credit for it, but I, I like this. What's God's will for your life? Number one, are you saved? Saved. 1 Timothy two four says that God desires all men and women to be saved. That's where we got to start. God wants you to be born again. He wants you to be in a relationship with him. He wants to take the sin and the pain and all of the confusion and turmoil that's in your heart and he wants to fix it through what Christ has done. He wants to take all of your... Um, Uh, of the things that you're holding on to that are just pulling you down, the lack of peace, the lack of love, the lack of joy, the hopelessness. And he wants to remove those things and replace them with joy, love, hope, and peace only when you surrender your life to him. So that's the first one. If you're not saved, by the way, listen carefully. You came in tonight and you're not a Christian. You cannot know God's will for your life. Makes sense, right? Okay, number two. Are you spirit-filled? Are you spirit-filled? At at salvation, the Bible says that the Spirit of God comes, the Spirit of Christ comes and dwells inside of each of us. In Ephesians 5.17, let me show this to you and how this applies to the will of God in your life. Stay with me. It's all going to come together, I promise, okay? Ephesians 5.17, says, Do not be foolish, but understand, here it is, the objective, what the will of the Lord is. What is it? Do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. God's will for your life, Christian, is that you'd be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? That you'd be controlled by His Spirit, that you would be always doing what He has called you to do, that you're continually submitting your life and your will to the Spirit, and He is living through you. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be Spirit-filled. He wants to control you, not in a manipulative way, but to help you to live in a way that honors Him, that would bring blessing to your life. Number three, are you sanctified? Yes, these all start with an S. Uh, are you sanctified? That's are you holy? 1 Thessalonians 4:3. Look at, I think I gave you the verse there. It says, this is the will of God. You want to know God's will? Here it is, your sanctification. And he explains it. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel, speaking of your body, in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, for God has not called you for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Here's the simple reality. If you're not controlled by the Spirit and you're not walking in holiness, then there's no way that you can know the will of God. I've had people ask me, I'm sleeping with her, and I think it's God's will that we get married. And I say, how can you know God's will in this area of your life when you're not following the specific laid out will of God in the Scripture. His will is your holiness. You're not living a holy life, therefore you cannot know God's will in this area of your life. Does that make sense? If you're not willing to follow the objective will of God in the Scripture, how can you know the will of God in going to school, who you're going to marry, what you're going to do for a career, all those things. The fourth one is, are you submitting? Are you submitting? And again, these are the objective, laid out will of God in Scripture. 1 Peter 3.13 says submit yourselves for the lord's sake to every human institution whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors he says moving down for such is the will of god that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men here here it is god's will for your life stay with me submit to authorities i'll never forget leaving my high school when i was a senior i drove down it went kind of down a hill on the street next to the school I had the windows down, the sunroof open, music blasting. It was a beautiful day. And we were going downhill, so I was going pretty fast. It was like May or June. And uh, as I'm cruising down this hill, probably singing at the top of my lungs, I look to my left, and across the street under this big tree in the shade were three or four uh, motorcycle cops all parked with their bikes (laughs) sticking out. It was like a speed trap. And I'm I'm driving, and I look kind of like this. I see them, and I go, oh! And I heard all of them laughing. And so I just pulled over to the side of the road and the guy pulled up and talked to me and he didn't give me a ticket. And Nikolai, what I learned, this is not part of this message, but this is free for you today. This is a freebie. I probably shouldn't be sharing this, it's a secret. If you think you're gonna get pulled over, can I give you some advice? Just pull over. Just stop, pull your car over and wait for him. And when he comes up, you say to him, I'm so, here's my license, Reg, I'm so sorry. Uh, when I saw you, I looked down, I realized I was going so fast. Admit guilt and beg for mercy. If you're a girl, just start crying. And, and maybe, maybe it will work. Anyway, I've gotten out of more. Anybody here ever gotten out of a ticket? Raise your hand. Okay, all right, good. We'll have a talk about that later. Anyway, anyway, God's will for you is that you would submit to authority, not like I did. Pay your taxes, listen to your elders, drive the speed limit, go to class on time, all those things. Okay, next, saying thanks. This is number five, I think, saying thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. And everything gives thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, that you'd be grateful, that you'd be giving thanks, having a joyful heart. We're grumblers and complainers. God's will for you is that you would be thankful. And then sixthly is the... What about suffering? 1 Peter four nineteen. let those who suffer according to the will of God and trust their souls to a faithful creator. It's difficult. If you live one through five, there's a good chance you're gonna have some persecution and suffering in your life. And that's okay because it's God's will for you. Now, let me wrap this up for you a little bit. These are the objective revealed will of God. If you wanna know how to make a decision, you need to know who God is. You need to know who you are. You need to know what the the yes-nos of the Bible are, and then you need to know what God has revealed in his word about his will for your life, okay? All right, that's how you put Christ first. Next, let's get a little bit more practical. Number five, what does wisdom say? What does wisdom say? I, I just put some basic thoughts down here, okay? The first one, this is kind of a little more getting into the meat of an actual decision. You need to pray about it. You ever prayed about a big decision? You've got a big matzo ball decision hanging out there and you're not sure what to do. Um, And you haven't gone and taken it to the Lord in humility and in dependence and said, God, I don't know what to do here. This is the first step. You need to take it to the Lord and say, will you help me? In James 1.5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives wisdom to all generously and without reproach. And there's a promise there. It will be given to him. You got a big decision. Can I, can I help you with this? Put the pros and cons up and bring those to the Lord. In utter humility, say, God, can you please help me? I don't know what to do. That's the first one. Second one, you need to check your conscience. Check your conscience. Your conscience is the, is the thing, in, it's a little voice inside your head. It's the God-built, God-given alarm clock that goes off when you are in a situation that you're not comfortable with or you're doing something wrong. It is that first time I ever saw explicit material when I was a, I don't know, a young teenager, and I was alone in the room by myself with a TV. And yet I felt like there was somebody else in the room. That's the conscience in there. Like, there's something wrong here, there's something not happening that's right. Your conscience, either, um, it's either a judge or a guide. So if you look back in your past, your conscience is a judge. If you look forward in your future, your conscience is a guide. It helps you. You walk into a weird situation. You're like, I'm not comfortable here. I need to leave. That's the guide. And in the back, it just accuses you. That's what Romans 2.15 says. Look down at that verse. Your conscience bears witness. That's looking back. Either your thoughts accuse or defend you. And we all know what it's like to have a guilty conscience, right? Right? Have you ever lied to somebody and then you just can't, it just sits in there? That's your conscience telling you that wasn't right. Okay, so you have to check your conscience. Should I watch that movie? Should I have that drink? Should I kiss that girl? Listen to what your conscience says and you can inform your conscience and help it to be um, better equipped to make decisions for you. It can be trained, it can be molded, it can be informed by the word of God so that decisions are much easier, so that scripture comes to mind, so that biblical principles are brought to the forefront. Okay, so check your conscience. Thirdly, read the Proverbs. You know, there's a whole book of the Bible, Proverbs, 31 chapters, that are just full of pithy, that's a good word, pithy, P-I-T-H-Y, look it up later, Johnny. Pithy wisdom. Okay, it's just like short little phrases of wisdom. It's chock full. Um, And you can go and Google the topic you're looking for and say, work, what do the Proverbs say? Or relationships, what do the Proverbs say? and it'll pop up all sorts of great information there for you from the scripture. We'll leave this one here, but here's, a, here's one for you. Read one proverb a day, 31 chapters, 31 days in a month. Go have your quiet time there, it's great. Next, this is number four here. Seek counsel from older, godlier people. Not from your peers. <laughs> Not from, uh, don't get dating advice from the person sitting next to you. They're in the same position as you are. They're also a novice. The fact, guys, that he has a girlfriend doesn't mean anything except that he, a blind squirrel every now and then finds the nut, right? So he's literally one step ahead of you. And in particularly in high school, it's like everybody goes to the one guy that has a girlfriend to get advice. He's like, well, let me tell you, in my vast experience, right, like this doesn't work. The Bible is clear. Go find counsel and wisdom from older and godlier people. Um, to those who are wise, Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This has come up multiple times in recent days in a lot of conversations with many of you where you're like, I wanna do the right thing. And you're coming and asking questions to our senior staff, which is awesome. And then sometimes you're like, I don't like the answer I'm getting. I think you're wrong. I see it in your eyes when I'm giving you counsel. Like, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. He's, and then you're doing the mental gymnastics. He's roughly the same age as my parents. And my parents are not very smart. Therefore, he's not very smart. I'm going to do what my friend next to me who has a girlfriend told me to do. This is what I see in your eyes, okay? But the Proverbs say this, Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. And I've told multiple of you in the room, you don't think I'm right or you're not by the way, I could be very wrong. That's not the point here. If you're not convinced of the counsel that I'm giving you or another older guy person is giving you, you know what the Proverbs say right here? In an abundance of counselors, there's victory. You're trying to make a decision. You come to your one staff person. You ask the question and you're like, no, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> Usually because you didn't go with what I think you should go with. What should you do? Well, you could just submit right there, but if you're really curious, the Proverbs say go to an abundance of counselors and find victory. What should you do? Go ask another godly person. Go ask another godly person. And what you're going to do instead of getting just a black and white painting is the more people you ask, that picture is going to get filled in with more detail, with more color, and it's going to help you make that decision. Following, that's, that's how you make good decisions as you get older and godlier counsel. Where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there's victory. Just to point this out, I have lived more than two times as long as every one of you. I'm 45, all right? I am starting to get old and I'm starting to feel it. And I'm only telling you that because 25 years ago, literally 25 years ago, I was sitting in your seat. What have you been doing for the last 25 years? Okay, you were born. Before that, you didn't exist. And then you went through through infancy, childhood, adolescence, teenage years, and now you're an adult and you know everything. Listen, 25 years ago, I was here. For 25 years, I've been studying God's word, living life, counseling people, and trying to do my best before him. I have a ton of experience, a ton of wisdom, and I can help you. And by the way, Take me out of the equation. There is a ton of senior staff in there who are wise and awesome. Go to them and find help in your decisions. Seriously, don't do it on your own, okay? Listen and be wise. Lastly, on this point, the last question about wisdom is, what would Jesus do? W-W-J-D. Yes, cheesy. Yes, overplayed. This is a really good question to ask. Put yourself in that position and say, well, what would Jesus do right now? It's a great question to ask answer. Okay, number six. I'm going to speed us up. Does it have spiritual benefit? You're making a decision. This is the big question. Does it have spiritual benefit? In other words, will it help me? Uh, I guess this first point is there. Will this thing bring you closer to Christ? Will it bring me closer to Christ to make this decision? Will it help battle sin or it's going to push me further into sin? Simple example, I'm looking at a college and I went online and I found out that there are no churches within a 100-mile radius. But I really want to go there because they're offering me a lot of money. Guess what? Bad decision. It's not going to help you to be like Christ. You need to do your research and you need to ask the question, will this decision bring me closer to Him? Okay? Secondly there, will it profit and edify you? 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let me, let me change the question. Will this be a good investment in your spiritual future? You might be saying, I'll stay on the college theme. I'm gonna go away to this school because the programs they have are amazing for my major what I wanna do. But if you haven't done any research on the spiritual implications of being there, you're a fool. Okay, You have to look collectively at all the equation of your life to get there. Is it sin to go there? Is it against the law, as he says here? Is it lawful? Yeah, sure, you can go there. But is it going to edify you and be the best for your spiritual life? Probably not. Okay. Here's Here's another simple one. Go out with your friends on Saturday night. Hang out. Have great fun. Is it lawful? Is it allowed? Sure. Go have a great time. But remember... You gotta be up early on Sunday morning for church. So you make some decisions. I'm like, is this make the most sense? Is this gonna edify me? This decision right now, is this gonna bring me closer to Christ or pull me farther away? And sometimes you gotta say, you know what? Hey guys, I'm gonna go home. I gotta get some rest. I need to be at church at 6:30. Do- what time is our setup crew out there? Six. That's a lot of tired guys back there. I gotta be out at six, so I gotta make sure I get my rest. Is it the wisest decision? Okay, number three. Does this have the potential to enslave me? Does this have the potential to enslave me? In 1 Corinthians 6.12, very similar language. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. This is Christian freedoms. We have a lot of freedoms in the Christian life. God has not given us yes and no's for every single topic. Is it okay for you to drink alcohol? Yes. Okay. Provided that you are what? Over 21. 21 years old, because that's the law of the land. And also provided that what? You're self-controlled. You're self-controlled that you don't get drunk <laughs> and lose control. That's what, that's what God's will is. Not that you would right, um, be drunk with wine, that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't give control of your mind up. What else? I'll give it to you because this one gets tougher. Christian freedoms. If your conscience tells you this is wrong and your heart tells me, I know I just turned 21 and I'm free to go have a drink, and yet going and having shots in the bar is feels wrong to me, then guess what Romans chapter 9 says? It says that to you that is sin. So you have to be able to look at your Christian liberties and decide, does this make sense for me? For some people it's fine. For some people it's not fine. It's not Romans 9. Sorry. Yes, yeah, Romans 14. It's first Corinthians 8 and 9 that... Joseph is just talking right in the middle of the message, but he got it right. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, does this have the potential to enslave me? And I'll, let me take the same illustration. That shot, that second shot, that third shot takes you down a pathway that's very dangerous. You need to be careful. It's okay to drink theoretically if those things line up, but that has the potential to enslave you. you got to be careful knowing your own sinful tendencies. Another example. Can I watch an R-rated movie that has explicit content as long as I go like this in the bad scenes? La, 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 Okay, maybe, but is that, is that really the best thing for your spiritual life? It has the potential to enslave you. Anyway, moving on. The guy's really cute, but he's not a Christian. But he's showing interest in me. But he's really cute. Is it okay that I go on just one date with him? Okay, well listen, you gotta be really careful here. Because the Bible's pretty clear not to bound yourselves to unbelievers. And so, but it's just a cup of coffee, Sean. Okay, but this has the potential to enslave you. In other words, is it lawful to have coffee with him? Yes. Is it the most profitable thing? I don't know. Because if your heart begins to knit with his heart, and it gets closer and closer and closer, eventually you're left with a decision. And this, is, I'm sorry to break it down this quickly. Am I going to choose the guy or am I going to choose God? Because somebody like me is going to come along and say, hey, Christian, guess what? You shouldn't be with this guy, but you've already given your heart to him because you made a bad decision at the beginning. Are you following? So at the beginning, you've got to take a step and realize, okay, does this have the potential to enslave me, and what am I going to do with it? Okay, and the last one on here. Will this be a good example to others? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ." Will those looking on at your life be more encouraged to follow Christ because of your decisions, individual decisions, private decisions? Will the, as you say yes, I'm going to do this? Is that going to take the people around you, and they're going to say, you know what, he really does love Jesus, or I'm kind of questioning that now because he said he's a Christian, but this doesn't match his profession. I took some doctors to New York years ago, orthopedic surgeons sell orthopedic stuff. We're on a trip to New York. We also went to Boston, different trip, and we went to Fenway, okay? And the seats at Fenway are super uncomfortable. If you've ever been there, there are these box seats that you sit like this and the game is over there. Because this place was built in like the 1920s, okay? It's crazy, so, but it's, Iconic. That's where the Red Sox played in Boston. Anyway, we're in New York and we had some extra time to kill So we went to see a movie and I'm like, okay We'll go we sit down the movie It's rated R and I know it's gonna be racy and then that scene came up that I just described where I should have gone La 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 and in front of some non-christian guys. It was explicit and bad I should have gotten out of my chair walked past them and walked out of the room That's what I should have done as a Christian because I love Jesus more than this. And he's called me as one of his followers not to satisfy my lust on that, but to set my eyes on Christ instead. But guess what I did in that moment? I sat there and I watched it with my eyes wide open. And before I told you about a great circumstance where I obeyed, now I'm telling you about one where I disobeyed. And so all afternoon, I'm like, I've been trying to witness to these guys for years. And and there I just ruined my testimony. And that night we sit down for Thai food which is phenomenal by the way. And we're sitting there and we're eating. And one of them says, you're a Christian, right? Tell me about that. And here I am in this sinful state, having not modeled or been a good example to others. My heart's not filled with the spirit. I'm not walking with the Lord. I'm, I'm allowing sin to be in there. And I tried to share the gospel. It was the most hollow experience ever. Why? Because I wasn't living what was coming out of my mouth. And so I just use that as an illustration because 1 Timothy 4.12 says that show yourself an example to those who believe. We are to be different. And the question is, will this have spiritual benefit and will this be a good example to others? Okay, that's a lot. And hopefully there's something in there that has made sense to you. And it is somewhat of a progression and questions for you to ask. But at some point, my friend, you have to take a step forward. Am I right? You need to decide, am I going away to that school or am I staying home? You have to decide, am I going to go get the job at the Chick-fil-A or am I going to go over to the In-N-Out? Both are good decisions. Great companies, they both pay well, and you get free food at both places. Do they give you free food at Chili's? My brother does. He's in the kitchen, gives his brother free food. That's stealing right there. No, I'm kidding. Okay, all right. I'm joking. But you've got to make a decision, right? So what are you going to do? Here's the principle. Let me wrap, tune in for this. You'll miss the whole message if you missed this part. Let me wrap this whole thing together. If you are living in the revealed will of God in his scripture, if you are seeking his wisdom um, through counsel from others, if you've prayed it through, if you're doing your best to honor him in your ordinary, regular life, God is not going to give you a lightning bolt. He is not going to go, go to UCLA There's not going to be a voice from heaven that comes. He asks you to trust him and take a step of faith. And so I'm telling you, if you're doing everything God has told you to do in his word, and you take that first step of faith where you can't see, guess what? There's going to be footing there. God is not going to let you down. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this. I love this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Do what God has called you to do. Live in the Spirit. Follow Him. And that verse concludes by saying, He will give you the desires of your hearts. You do what He says to do. He will give you the desires of your heart. Interpretation, if you're doing God's revealed will, then, you're, um, then you are delighting in Him. And it's not a complex formula. Just Live. Stop worrying, stop fretting about these big decisions, and just take a step, okay? Because your desires will be in line with his and he's not gonna let you fall. So you gotta ask, who is God, who are you? What does the Bible say? What is the revealed will of God? What does wisdom say? Does this have spiritual benefit? And then stay with me, move forward. Go ask her out, okay? Ladies, are you ready? Be ready. Go get a job. Move out of your parents' house. Go become a missionary, but make some decisions, work down this process. And if you're looking for more practical, like, okay, well, do I get a piece of paper out and split it in half and the pros and the cons? Yes, go take all the basic steps. But ultimately when you're looking for what God wants you to do, here's the secret. Live for Christ, that Christ would have first place in everything and God will not let you down. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time tonight.